All right, so we'll say good morning. Good morning. Let us begin. Begin by thanking all of our sponsors for this morning. Share to thank. <coughs> Excuse me. Our Talmud Torah sponsor for the month of Shvat. Haba'alim Latoa, Mrs. Selma Wolf, for dedicating over Shemar Joshos this month with gratitude for the refuels from HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the merit of a refuel for all of those in need in the schus of our brave soldiers and in the schus of the return of our hostages. That we dedicate as a shir entire Mesechus Baba Kama Le'ilu Yinishmas Master Sergeant Elio Michal Harush Hashem Yikom Damo Mi'akadosh Baruch Hu provide Naliyah for his neshama and a nechama for his family. Well, so with that, let us begin. Today's daf is Pei Gimel 83 and we are picking up on 82B Pei Beis Amud Beis 18 lines up from the bottom. If my memory serves me correctly, we finished with Egla Arufa yesterday. Is that correct? Egla Arufa? Yeah? Okay, good. So I just remember again, we're going through the list of things, list of halachas that essentially don't apply to Yerushalayim. So just understand there's a kam denominator. What's the kam denominator? Kam denominator is that these are all things that refer to land that is called an inheritance. All right, or lurishta, something called an inheritance. But since Yerushalayim was lo mischalko l'shvatim, right? Yerushalayim belongs to everyone. Therefore, because of technicalities, it is excluded from certain halachas. So the last one we did was Egla Rufa. The Gemara then goes on and says, Ultimately, I'm sorry, Iranidachas, Iranidachas, Yushalayim cannot become an Iranidachas. Remember again, Iranidachas is a city where all of the inhabitants have worshipped Avodazara. The halacha with such a city is, it's totally destroyed. Everything is destroyed. All of the property is burned, right? The entire city just destroyed to the ground. So the Gemara says, Yushalayim can't become an Iranidachas. Why? Because when referring to an Iranidachas, the Torah speaks about one of your cities. Once again, one of your cities refers or references the concept of possession. Yushalayim is not divided up amongst the tribes. Next, Yushalayim itself, right? The homes in Yushalayim cannot become Tomei with Saras. Dixiv, Venasati, Negat Saras, Bebeis Eretz Achuzaschem. So, as Gersh Baruch says, I will bring Saras in the homes of the lands in which you retain, right? The lands in which you inherit, the lands that are yours. And once again, the Yushalayim, Lo Nischal Kalishvatim. Yushalayim was not divided amongst the tribes. So we're saying Yushalayim, you can't build structures that have protrusions or protruding balconies. What's the logic? So there's two purposes. We'll say the first is a Tumah issue. What we're concerned about is the proliferation of Tumah because remember again, if you have a beam that extends and it has certain dimensions or you have a balcony that extends and it has certain dimensions. And then let's say again, something tummy is underneath it and someone else passes underneath that protrusion. Suddenly that individual is going to become tummy out Tumas Ohel. Furthermore, again, protrusions could also potentially cause a problem. Protrusions could cause a problem ultimately of damaging. So therefore, again, in order to avoid proliferation of tumor, in order to avoid any type of damages, so halacha l'maysa, we can't have these things in Yushalayim. Ve'in osin ba'ashbasos, we don't make garbage dumps in Yushalayim. So we'll say mishum shkatsim, because garbage dumps attract all types of rodents and shkatsim and everything else. We don't want that in Yushalayim. Ve'in osin ba'kivshonos, we don't make furnaces. Mishum kutra, because furnaces create smoke. Right? And therefore, again, that's, that, that's, that's a lack of dignity for Yerushalayim. We don't create gardens or orchards. So Rashi says over here, Sircha means Asavim Ra'im Hagidelim Sham. Vizarkim Bachotz. So we'll say, so some say that Sircha means because whenever you have a garden, you have orchards, you have weeds. And what do you do with weeds? You pluck them out, you throw them, you discard them. So it doesn't look nice, look nice for Yerushalayim to have piles of discarded weed. But then Rashi also points out, Other possibility we'll say is, in order to maintain a garden or an orchard, you need to fertilize it. Or when you fertilize it, there's a bad odor. And we don't want that odor in Yerushalayim. Okay? And also we saw this already before, we don't raise chickens in Yerushalayim. 
Mishum Kachim. Remember again, because chickens are like scavengers, and we're concerned that they're going to bring some type of tumah and come in contact with the consecrated items, of which there is much in Yerushalayim. Okay? So the Gemara says, we do not leave the dead unburied in Yerushalayim overnight. The Gemara says, Gemara. That's a tradition. That's a tradition. The most thing that was interesting to note is that whereas the other items in the list really were enactments in order to really safeguard the physical or spiritual beauty of Eretz Yisrael, or were due to a technical issue that Yerushalayim was not divided amongst the tribes, this last idea of not leaving the dead buried overnight, ultimately is a Gemara. It's a tradition. So I'll say that's the end of that Sukkot. Next, back to the Gemara, back to the Mishnah. Remember again, the Mishnah said that a Jew is not allowed to raise pigs. Can't, can't raise pigs. Now that's true in Eretz Yisrael, and it's true outside of Eretz Yisrael. Now why is that? Why is that? Because we'll say, I'll point out to you, it's not like there's a blanket prohibition against raising non-kosher animals, right? In other words, if it would just be a Jew can't raise non-kosher animals, okay, but like, I don't know, I could raise horses, right, if I want to. I could raise camels if, if I want to. It seems to be dafka, dafka prohibition against chazerim. So what's the pshat? So says the Gemara, Tanrab, and I will say, this is an incredible, incredible story. First of the widest, first of the wide lines on the bottom. Tanrab, Tanrab, so we'll say a little bit of history. We know the Hanukkah story, right? At the end of the Hanukkah story, the Hashmonaim went ahead and defeated the Syrian Greeks. And I remember the Hashmonaim were a family of Kohanim. They did something very interesting after the defeat of the Syrian Greeks, which is they assumed the monarchy as well. Now, normally, remember, again, in Yiddishkeit, so monarchy comes from Yehuda, and, and religious leadership comes from Shevet Levi. So now you have the Hashmonaim taking everything. So there's an interesting machlokis between the Ramban and the Rambam as to whether or not that was a good thing. Whether it was initially a good thing, not a good thing, one thing becomes clear, which is the Hasmonian monarchy becomes corrupt as time, as time goes on. This is the story already towards the end, so to speak, of the Hashmonai monarchy, when there was a profound split in the monarchy itself. Right, uh, what is it? Uh, rival, rival factions within, within, the, within the same family. So watch this. So essentially there were two, we're going to see two Hashmonai brothers, and they were both jockeying for power, for the monarchy. And one laid siege to the other. And what happened? Horkinos mibifnim, so the brother Horkinos was inside, the Aristoblos mibachos. And Aristoblos, well, he was outside, he was outside. So, so just to understand how tragic this is, how tragic this is, brother laying siege against brother, right? So, brother Horkinos on the inside of Yerushalayim and Aristoblos on the outside of Yerushalayim. So now, remember, the base HaMikdash is standing, right? The base HaMikdash is standing. So what's the problem? The problem is that the people on the inside need to be able, need to be able to go ahead and, need to be able to go ahead and um, offer up the carbon tumid every single day. So what would they do? Something very interesting. So they would lower down in a bucket money, right? So the Horkinus camp would lower down in a bucket money, Daristubulus camp would go ahead and put in some animals for the carbon tumid, and then they would raise it back up. So I will say it's incredible because as much as there was a political battle, more than just a political battle, a physical battle between brothers, everyone had a vested interest in the continuity of Beis HaMikdash service. It's incredible. So what happened? So the Gemara says, There was a certain older man there, who was well-versed in Greek, Greek wisdom. Greek wisdom. So we're going to see. Now, this ability, this Greek wisdom, allowed him to communicate in a way that no one else was really able to pick up on. So he said to Aristobulus, So he said to Aristobulus, he said to them, Listen, as long as Hercules and his followers are inside of Yerushalayim and they are continuing the service in the base of Mikdash, you will never be able to overtake them. 
So what happened? Lamachar, so sure enough, the next day, Shilshilo dinar and bakupa. So remember again, the Horkinus camp lowers lowers money in the bucket. And what happens? Vahalulahem chaser. And on both sides, the, the Aristobulus camp, instead of going ahead and giving them a sheep or a lamb, something else for carbon tamid, goes in and puts a chaser in the bucket. In the bucket. Kevin Shegiel when they were raising up the chazer, now obviously the Horkonus camp didn't realize the animal that was in the bucket. So they're raising up the, they're raising up the bucket. When the bucket got halfway up the wall of Yerushalayim, Na'at Siparnav Bechoma, so the chazer dug its nails, dug its hooves into the wall. Even the chazer recognized that it can't go into Yerushalayim. And literally again, the land shook. The land itself shook. I will say, there's so many tragic components to this story, right? The, the, the tragedy of brother against brother, which has always been the undoing of Kalal Yisrael. The undoing of our people has never been external enemies. It has always been internal enemies. The idea ultimately, again, of brother turning against brother, and I will say the idea over here of brother turning against brother only leads to one thing. When brother turns against brother, then we turn against HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That, 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 that's the way that it works. If we cannot love each other and we cannot get along with each other and cannot work with each other, it is only a matter of time until we turn our backs on the Ribbono Shalom. And sure enough, again, one brother just in order to gain against the others will need to send up a Chazer into Yerushalayim. So literally the land shook over this. At that moment, Chazal decreed and they said, Arur Ha'ish Shigadl Chazerim Cursed is the person who goes ahead and raises pigs. And cursed is the person who teaches his son Greek wisdom. Greek wisdom. Because we'll say it was this Greek wisdom that gave, that gave this elder, this Zokin, the secretive ability or the ability to surreptitiously communicate and give this piece of, of, of terrible advice. And about that time it was said that the carbon omer, which is the barley offering offered up on the second day of Pesach, that came from Ganos Tzrifin, which is a place that is very far away from Yerushalayim. And the Shteh the two loaves that are offered up on Shavuos, that came from the valley of Ein Socher, which is also very far. Now, Bosei Rashi points out over here, Tzirul Gerashi, he says, Ve'al Osa Shoshaninu, B'menachas, She'ma'ise she'ba'a omer she'eragya lavo min ha'karov Yerushalayim, Osa she'ba'a miginas srifin, Rachok miyushalayim, B'fi she'echrivu b'nei mitzvahs tuas ha'sada. So, Bosei, this is just a secondary historical footnote about this entire episode. The siege was so severe, both sides, that not only was there a siege, but the besieging army, which was the army of Horkinos, the followers of Horkinos, burnt all of the fields around Yerushalayim. So that, said, so that when, there was, when there was a need to bring the barley for the carbon Omer, or ultimately the Shelechem on Shavuos, normally they would be able to bring the produce from nearby to Yerushalayim. But because of all of the destruction, they had to bring the barley on, uh, on Pesach and the, the Shteya Lechem on Shavuos from faraway areas. So, so pervasive was the destruction in the area. We'll say overwhelming, overwhelming. And again, it's the very same story to this very day. At the end of the day, when we go to war against each other, when we fight against each other, when we cannot figure out how to be an Ish Echad, believe Echad, Terrible things happen to our people. We destroy anything and everything around us. And it's a lesson that sounds so simple, but yet the lesson that keeps repeating itself for the last thousands of years. Dramatic Gemara. The Chachmas Yivanis Miyasira. So what's that? The Gemara says, but one second, are you not allowed to teach your son this Greek wisdom? The Gemara says, Vatanya, but we learned. Amar Rebbe, Rebbe said, Be'eretz Yisrael, top of Pegimel, Be'eretz 83a, Be'eretz Yisrael, Lashon Sur Silama. So in Eretz Yisrael, why does anyone need to speak Lashon Sursi? Sursi was a language. Either, oh Lashon HaKodesh, oh Lashon Yavanis. Either speak Hebrew or speak Greek. In other words, there's no need. Rabbi was just saying, I don't understand why people take the time to learn Sursi. Either speak Hebrew or speak Greek. Okay, Vam Rabbi Yossi says, Bavel, in Bavel, Lashon Arami Lama. Why do I need Lashon Arami? Oh Lashon HaKodesh, oh Lashon Parsi. 
either speak Hebrew or speak Persian, right? So the point over here is, what is the point? The point that I was making is that you see that Rebbe speaks about Greek as an alternative language, that a person is allowed to speak Greek. So how can you say that you can't teach your kid Greek wisdom? To which the Gemara says, no, no, no. Amri, Lashon Yevani Lechud, Chachmas Yevanis Lechud. It's two different things. There's Greek language and there's Greek wisdom. Two separate things. Two separate things. Chazal said you can't go ahead and teach your kid Greek wisdom. That apparently, Rabosai, that apparently is this ability to communicate in a more surreptitious or coded way. That's what Chazal didn't like. Greek language was fine. Greek language, regular Greek language was fine. The Chachmas Yivanis Miasira. I, Bravosa, but is Greek wisdom problematic? Listen to this story. That literally, again, my eyes, my eyes give so much pain to my heart. From everything that I've seen happen to the daughters of my city. So, so therefore, I was listening to this. So he said, he said, Rabbi Yehuda said, There were a thousand children in my father's household. In other words, my father was responsible for the chinuch, for the chinuch, Rabbi Gamliel was responsible for the chinuch of a thousand children. So, five of them were, were being educated in Torah. And 500 of them were being educated in Greek wisdom. In Greek wisdom. And Shimonel said, out of those thousand, there's two left. There's two left, me and my cousin, right? Me, me and the, the son of my father's brother in Asia. And I both say, just understand, this is during the times of the destruction of the second base in Mikdash, right? So what he's talking about over here, so this could be, I mean, this could be a variety of different things. This could be the Chorban, this could be Barakoch of a rebellion, this could be a number of different things. But the point that he makes here, I was like, can you just imagine this? I'll say, you know, sometimes like we, we forget, we forget just... Really overwhelming pain, like these type of episodes. This is like it's like a footnote, like a footnote in Jewish history. A thousand children, a thousand children, a thousand children. We all saying, "There's two of us left. There's two of us left. Me, me, and my me and my cousin. Incredible." So the Gemara says, "Why is the Gemara bringing down this story? Why is bringing down this story? Because telling us that children were taught Chachmas Yivanis." Right? In the house of Rabbi Shimon Gamliel's father, Rabbi Gamliel, they were teaching them Chachmas Yivanis. What's going on over here? Amri, shiny base Rabbi Gamliel, show you Krovin Lamalchus. It's different. Rabbi Gamliel's family, on both sides, were very close to the monarchy, to the Caesar. So as such, again, when you're close to the monarchy, you're allowed to do certain things that perhaps the common man is not allowed to do because, because that relationship requires it of you. So whereas normally, even if we take the approach that you can't learn Chachmas Yivanis, for those who are close to the monarchy, they need to be versed in Chachmas Yivanis. So it could very well be that this, this group that Rabbi Gamliel was educating was either a family group or was a group of nobility, children who ultimately had to grow into adults who had to be able to work with the government, and therefore, I had to be versed in Chachmas Yivanis. Kedisanya, like we see in another bright, another example of this, of that sometimes when you're working with the government, certain accommodations need to be made. So the Gemara says Hamasaper Kumi. So this is interesting. Kumi was a type of haircut, a type of haircut that that Gentile nobility often used to have. So generally, if you give yourself a Kumi haircut. Refers to Gentile practices that a Jew is not permitted to emulate. So, what was the Kumi haircut? Take a look at Rashi. So, it was some type of haircut that apparently shaved the top of the head, left the area around the head. But the ichor of it was this belouris, was like this, uh, what? Mullet. Like a ponytail, mullet, right? right? Like a ponytail mullet thing, right? This is the original mullet, right? That, that went ahead and essentially you grew it out on the back. 
So you shave, it sounds like again, some combination of shaving the, top, shaving the top of the head, leaving the sides, and growing out the mullet. So the Gemara says, so if you do that, that is emulating a Gentile practice. Yet, I will say, interestingly enough, they let him have a kumi haircut. Why? Because say he traveled in the circles of the Greek Roman nobility, and therefore again it was important for him to have this kind of haircut. Okay, interesting. And similarly, again in the house, in the family of Rabbi Gamliel, they allowed them to become versed in Greek wisdom. Why? Because again, they traveled, they were close to the monarchy. And I will say, I just want to point out, like, this is an interesting. This is an interesting idea in general, an interesting idea in general, that, that halacha l'maysa, again, how to apply this, when to apply this, what do, what do we do with this? You know, because again, on one hand, just because you're close to the monarchy, or why does that allow certain practices? So obviously, halacha like this, I will say, is very much circumstantially, circumstantially motivated, you know, based on what's happening around, do you need Jews in government, don't need Jews in government, you know, all, all these different things. But Lamaisa, the point that Mara is making over here is, there may be an allowance for such a thing. There may be an allowance for this certain type of haircut. There may be an allowance, ultimately, again, for, there may be an allowance for, for the, for the Chachma Yivanis, Chachma Sivanis, but in general, Chachmas is going to remain Asura. Okay, whatever, not, not that we contemporarily, contemporarily know what Chachmas Yivanis is. Oh, sorry, it's not a greeting of your Greek mythology. It was some type of other wisdom that was Asur to the common man, but was permitted for those traveling in those particular circles. Okay, let's go right there. So we'll say, so now we end off. Do not raise a dog unless it's leashed, unless it's chained. So the Gemara says, here we go. Tanarabonon. Lo yigadl adam esakelev, ele imkein kasher b'shalshalas. A person should not go ahead and raise a dog unless, of course, it is tied with a chain. Right? She will say, what Chazala teaching us over here is that even if you have the dog, you have to keep it on a leash. And again, it's not just any leash, they're saying a chain. So the Gemara says, aval, megadl hi hu beir hasmucha l'saber, v'kosher v'matir balel. So we'll say, the one dispensation for this is, if you live in a border city, if you live in a border city where there is an active security issue, so what you can do is by day, you have to keep it leashed, but at night, you can let it roam. Now, what's the logic of letting it roam? The logic is people are home, they're not out, and anyone who is out at night may be out there to do harm. So like this, if the dog is kind of patrolling, that would be okay. Tanya, Rabbi Lazar Godel Omer, Hamagandal Klovim Kimagadal Khazirim. Wow. Well, say someone who raises dogs, and by raising dogs, it means has a dog, right? Someone who's going ahead and raising dogs in their home, that's like raising Khazirim. Not my words. The Gemara says, Lamai Naf Kamina, what does it matter? Lamaikam Alei Ba'aror. I will say that such a person is subject to a curse. Right, just like Chazal said, Aror, cursed is the person. Cursed is the person. Ultimately, again, who goes ahead and raises pigs. So, so too, again, the Gemara says, cursed is the person who raises dogs. Right, who maintains the dog within his home. Now, again, I both say, Lav Dafka, Lav Dafka, it means if you keep it on a leash. Like, it could very well be that what the Gemara is saying over here is, if you just raise a dog and you do not follow the very specific instructions that Chazal give you for dog ownership, then you are subject to error. Then you are subject to the curse. But assuming that you're following the very basic guidelines, then perhaps ultimately again it will be permitted. Amrav Yosef Aminyumi, Amrav Nachman. We'll say this is actually an incredible, incredible Gemara. So Bavel, Kirsmukal is Saperdami. So Bavel, by the way, is like a border city, which means that if you want to have a dog in Bavel, so you can, but Lamaisa, again, you have to keep it leashed by day and can leave it unleashed at night. And night. Tirgimar Narda, Dar, Tirgimar Narda, Dar Shabida, Stad Mimbiri, will say this is an incredible Gimara. Ovenucha Yomar, Shuva Hashem, Rivavos Alfe Yisrael. So we'll say, now listen to this. The Pasik says, Ovenucha, right, when the Arn would come to rest, so Yomar, Shuva Hashem, Rivavos Alfe Yisrael. I will say, what do I learn from that Pasik? This is incredible. Lelam, Lelam Decha, 
She'ein shechina shora apachos mishnei alafim ushnei revavos. So Jose teaches us that the shechina only rests on a group of 22,000 or more Jews. That's the Lashon ultimately again of, of Rivavos Alfe Yisrael. Rivavos Alfe Yisrael, 22,000 Jews. So, Vnucha Yomar, Shuba Hashem, Return HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Rivavos Alfe Yisrael. When does the Shechina rest? When there is an Avosai. Now, I just want to point out, you know, the Gemara Sakas Bracha says that wherever there's a minion, right, ultimately, again, the Shechina is there. The Shechina is with every single one of us, but the idea over here is that when there is a large group, like 22,000 Jews, there is a special hashra'as hashchino, a special resting of the divine presence. So the Gemara says, listen to this, listen to this. Chaser, so the Gemara says, Pachos, uh, good. Pachos, mishne alof and mishne revavos. Chaser, achos. So we'll say, but if there was anything less, so for example, Chaser, achos. Let's say again, we'll say, let's say again, there were 21,999 Jews. Right, twenty-one thousand nine hundred ninety-nine Jews. So, and therefore, what? And 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 ultimately, again, there was a pregnant woman who was there. And both say, right. So now, the pregnant woman, she has the ability. And both say, she has the ability to go ahead and and be mashlim because she she let's say is twenty-one nine ninety-nine, and then her fetus, right, her unborn child, would be again number twenty-two thousand. The presence of that unborn child could complete the group to allow for an intense hashra sashchina. And then what happens? V'navach ba'kelev, the dog barks at her, v'hepila, and she miscarries. And she miscarries. Nimsa zeg gorim l'shchina shetistalik mi'israel. It turns out that the dog owner, the dog owner, right, is the one who causes the shchina to go ahead and depart from Klal Yisrael. Now, both say, this is an interesting Gemara. The Gemara is not saying this happened, the Gemara is saying what? This could happen. This could happen. And all because you need a dog, all because you need a dog, Shkhal Yisrael can't have the Shechina. Shkhal Yisrael can't have the Shechina. So we'll say, so what, 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 is, what is the Gemara trying to, what is the Gemara trying to highlight in a story like this? We'll say, all, all kidding aside, we're going to see that the Gemara is going to highlight the potential negative impact that dog ownership could have on other people. That, that's really what Chazal are trying to highlight over here. You want the dog, that's fine. I want a lot of things in life. But the things that I want in life, I have to make sure they, can't, they don't have a negative impact on anyone else. And if they can have a negative impact on someone else, a person really has to think about, do I need to put my own needs on the side for the greater benefit of the cloud. I'm not going to pass in on this particular on this particular thing, but I will say. But that's that's the that, that's the point. That's the point that Chazal are making over here. So I will say, I persist. I but I really need the dog. Okay, if you really need it, if you really need it, need is a very strong word. But if you really need it, again, there will say there are. There's a way to do it. There's a way to do it. And what's the way to do it? What's the way to do it? Leash it. Leash it. I will say. The, 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 let's just do one more Gemara. It's incredibly profound. The Gemara says, "Hahi isisa." Listen to this. The alas the meifa bahu beis is such an incredible Gemara. There was a woman who went over to her friend's house to bake. Navach ba kalba. The dog began. The dog began to bark at her. The dog, now every non-dog loving person is going to be able to relate to this story. Listen to this. Like the dog began to bark at her. So I was like, "What does what does every single dog owner say?" When their dog begins to bark, Oh, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's, 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 it's teeth has been taken out, right? Don't worry. It's like the same line for thousands of years. Thousands of years. The indifference of dog owners. Right? So we'll say, so listen to this. Oh, don't worry. Oh, it's so friendly. Oh, that just means it loves you. That, 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 that just means it loves you. Oh, that's so sweet. That's so cute. Oh, it's harmless. It's harmless. So Amrlay, so we'll say this woman says to the dog owner, Shakli Tivoseh, you know what? You could take your platitudes, you could take your nice cities, and you know what you could do with it. Vishajya Achizri. Not what you think, right? Vishajya Achizri. Right? Go throw it on the thorn bushes. Kavar no vlad. She lost her pregnancy. She lost her pregnancy. We'll say the fright of the dog barking. The fright of the dog barking. So I will say the incense again, I will say, all kidding aside. The insensitivity, the insensitivity of the dog owner to the fact that this woman 
doesn't like animals. She doesn't like animals. Oh, the dog is so cute. The dog is so nice. The dog is so wonderful. The dog is so intelligent. The dog is so proper. The dog has great manners. The dog is all this. Dog doesn't, all, all, all these different, that's fantastic. That's all great. You enjoy that for yourself. But Lamaisa, she was scared. She was scared. And because the owner did not take the proper precautions for that fear, then at the end of the day, it cost her a loss. It cost her a loss. And this is what Chazal were concerned about. The boss said, let's say, all kidding aside. That's why, again, people who allow their dog to walk around unleashed, right? People who allow, and especially, again, when there are other people around, the height of inconsideration, the height of hubris and arrogance to think that just because you like something, everyone else likes it as well. And furthermore, it's against the halacha. It's against the halacha. Chazal said, you don't leave an animal unleashed. You don't leave an animal unleashed. You want to have an animal, that's fine. There's a protocol for it. There's a protocol. And that protocol demands, demands that when there are other people around, you keep that animal on a short leash, recognizing that other people may not like it. Other people may be fearful and fearable. So it could have a truly negative impact upon another human being. It's a din in basic covered habrios. Again, all kidding aside, you want to have it, that's absolutely fine. But there is a very specific protocol that needs to be followed to make sure that your pet ownership does not chas v'shalom infringe on the other. Incredible. So let's go back to Ein Parson Mishbin Leonin. So I'll say last part, last part, much, much less, much less controversial, right? About uh, dove coats, right? Dove, uh, dove, dove traps, right? So I'll say, so remember again, I don't know, maybe then I'm going to get some hate mail from the dove lovers after, after this also. I always do get very interesting feedback after my, uh, after the dog Yamaras. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. I, I, there are many, many, many supporters. I feel like I've given them a voice, right? They, right? They, they, they've been hiding in the shadows all of these years, afraid to voice how they really feel to the, to the rough and tough dog owners, right? But Lemaisa, we're, we're starting a movement, we're starting a movement over here. So the goes weiter. So the Gemara says, a parts of Nishbim Leonis. So I remember again, the Mishnah said that if you want to go ahead and put out traps for doves, again, logic, you have to, you, the Mishnah said, you have to distance it 30 risks, which means you have to distance it from a, from a certain distance from the city, from habitation, because what's the concern? The concern is the doves that you're catching are not wild doves, but rather, again, they belong to someone else. So because of that, you have to distance your dove traps some amount of space, ultimately, again, from... From habitations. Gemara says, but the doves fly 30 risks. we learned. You have to distance the dove coat from the city 50 amas. Because it was again that way, again, it's only your dove coat and other doves won't roost there. So the Gemara says, so 50 amas obviously is much less than 30 risks. So the truth is, doves have the ability to fly a much longer distance but they eat their fills, so to speak. They fill themselves up for the journey within the first 50 yamas. But in terms of that, do they only travel 30 risks and no more? Vatanya, we learned. In the habitation of Osa, you can't even put up dub traps. Or, or put down, I don't know exactly, you know how dove traps work, but put up, put down, right, spread out, can't spread out dove traps, even for 100 mil. Rav Yosef, I'm Rav Yosef, says, Be'yishuv Kramen. We're talking over here, ultimately, again, in an area where there are orchards, and therefore, again, I will say, since the dove has the ability to feed at multiple orchards, it goes orchard to orchard, and ultimately could travel a much larger space, or a much longer, a much longer distance. Rabba Amar Rabba says, Be'yishuv Shofchen, Ultimately, I'm talking about an era where there are many dovecoats. So if that's the case, then the halacha should apply just to the dovecoats themselves, not just necessarily to the traps. One possibility is that we're talking about, again, the dovecoats that belong to a non-Jew. Others say it refers to Hefker. Or talking about his own dovecoats. Okay. So we'll say, so bottom line, Allah the Gemara tells us that in order to spread out dove traps, one has to make sure that Allah they are distanced from the city and by extension distanced from, from dovecoats in order that you not inadvertently ensnare someone else's dove. Hadrun Allah, Miruba. We'll say, Mazel Tov. Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov. Ahmed Bezer. We'll say, brand new parak. 
a really interesting sugya over here. Actually, what's, what's, what's exciting about this sugya, I will say we still do have like a lot of, a lot of open-ended, um, really interesting halacha la pieces. There, is there a legal holiday coming up? What's the next legal holiday? President's Day? Is that the next? Okay, I don't know. All right, so we'll, we'll, have, we'll have to find it because there really are some great sugyas about Behemoth Daka, Takhanas Ezra, Takhanas Ezra, and, and even in, in all seriousness, you know, what does the Shulchan Aruch say regarding this whole dog sugya? So again, there, there, there's, there is a lot to discuss, but in Meretz Hashem, we'll have, to, we'll have to find the opportunity. I'm sorry, Shavuos night. Shavuos night, it might be good. Not a bad idea. What's really exciting about this, this new beginning is we've actually seen this sugya a number of times throughout our journeys in Baba Kama, and now we get to actually see it inside of the Mishnah. Here we go. If you damage your friend, if you damage your friend, What's talacha? Chayiv alav mishum chamisha devarim. So we'll say here it is, right? We've referenced this so many times. Now here's the opportunity to really sink our teeth into this sugya. So you damage your friend. You are chayiv in five different areas of damages. Right? Or I should say, I shouldn't say five areas of damages. You're chayiv. You're chayiv. Yeah, we'll call it five different areas of damages or five different payments. What are they? Nezek, which represents damages itself, which we'll see. We're going to go through each of these. Tsar, pain and suffering. Ripui, doctor bills, Sheves, lost wages, Boshes, humiliation. So now let's go through each of them. Benezeki, so we'll say, what does it mean, damages? So, Sime es eno, Kata es yado, Shiber es So, for example, we'll say, let's say I go over to Ruvain and I blind Ruvain's eye, or I cut off his hand, or I break his foot. So, what's Talach? So, we'll say, so how do you assess damages? Right? Nezek, how do you assess damages? Rowan also ki'ilu hu eved, Nimkar Bashuk. It's very simple. How do we assess damages? We look at Ruven as a slave, as, a, as an Eved. An Eved is being sold in the marketplace. And now we, we look like this. If, if Ruven had his eye, whatever the damage is, his eye, his foot, his, 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 his hand, whatever it is, we look at him, what value would he command in the marketplace if he was quote-unquote whole, right? And now what value could he be sold at if now without an eye? Without a leg, without a, without without a, without a hand, and that difference, I will say that difference in the two values. That's nezek, that's damages. Okay, that's number one. Sar, how do you assess? Right, how do you pay for pain and suffering? So listen to this. So we'll say now. Watch this. We we say we say as follows. Let's say for example, the I, I went ahead and I burnt Ruvain. I burnt him, right? I, I, I accidentally hit him with a hot poker or, you know, lit a fire and uh, it, it injured him. So now, say, so now let's say, so now, now he's damaged. So I say, so even let's say, by the way, it, it, it hit him, you know, when Chazal give the example of an injury that doesn't cause depreciation. The example Chazal give is you injure someone on their nail. If you can imagine for a moment, let's say I take a hot poker, right? The hot poker and I, and I put it on Ruvain's fingernail. So now, I've obviously caused him pain and suffering, but there's no nezek per se in that, right? Because Lamaisa, remember, if we assess nezek as how much would you be sold for undamaged versus how much would you be sold for damaged, there's no difference on the slave market between a slave who has a burn on his fingernail or doesn't have a burn on his fingernail. So there would be no nezek. So how would you assess that? So this is very interesting. Umdin. This is a fascinating valuation. What we look at essentially is as follows. We look at how much would a person be willing to take? How much money would a person be willing to accept to undergo this level of pain? In other words, how much money would, would you be willing to accept to, to have a hot poker placed on your fingernails? Right, that's that's that sounds like a reality TV show, right? That's the sh- so it's interesting, right? Because what's in that? What's the logic? Pain itself, pain and suffering, is such a, is such a subjective amount. So re- remember, we're going to talk about if there is pain that results in depreciation. That's something else. Like you can have a situation of 
ongoing chronic pain that prevents you from doing other things. But we're going to see there are other kinds of buckets of damages that capture that. So right now, the way that the Mishnah chooses to illustrate this is you have pain and suffering, but that pain and suffering doesn't impact anything else. So the way we assess it is how much would someone be willing, how much money would someone be willing to accept in order to go ahead and undergo this particular type of pain. Okay, next. Ripui, Dr. Bills. So this one's pretty straightforward. Hiko, chayiv l'raposo. So I go over to Ruvain, I injure him. Ruvain has to go to the doctor. I'm obligated to pay for Ruvain. For Ruvain to go to the doctor. All the boats smoking. Now listen, this is interesting. Let's say I injured Ruvain. So imagine the following situation. Ruvain and I got into a fight. I take a knife and I, uh, I stab him. I stab him. Okay, so now obviously, there's the doctor bills for the suturing and for the right. Is it? Let's say as a result of Ruvain's injury, he gets an infection. All about smoke means there's an infection. So if the infection is related ultimately again to the to the injury, then I, the damage germ chayv, take care of that. If the injury, if the infection is unrelated to the injury, then ultimately potter. Then I'm potter. We'll say, what happens if the injury heals, but then infection comes, injury heals, but again, everything is clearly still related to the initial injury, then ultimately, again, chayiv l'raposo. Then I am chayiv ultimately to pay for anything. So we'll say, so what's interesting over here is the payment for, the payment for repoy for doctor bills is not just about the injury itself, but it's about what? Any related things to the injury as well. Anything related to the injury, ultimately a chayiv for as well. Let's say, according to the doctor's estimation, Ruvain has a complete recovery. And then sometime later on, infection sets in. I'm not chay for that. Right? So again, I will say, obviously, these things would require a doctor's assessment. You know, at what point is a person considered to be totally healed? In which case, in which case, then any subsequent infections would be considered to be unrelated to the first injury. Okay. Next, Sheves. So I will say lost wages. How do you deal with lost wages? Rowan also kiluhu shomer kishuin So we'll say this is fascinating, and this is not what you would think. See, I would think what's lost wages? This is easy. What's lost wages? What's lost wages? We look at what Ruvain does for a living, right? And Lamaisa and Lamaisa, how much work is he now missing? And you pay him a salary. That's not the way it works. Because we will say if you were to do that, essentially you'd be double dipping a little bit. Because remember. We essentially already paid Ruvain kind of his, quote-unquote, anything that he has lost as a person. Where do we pay that? That was in Nezek, right? That was in Nezek. Remember again, I will say, how do you pay Nezek? Nezek represents really a holistic payment based on how much Ruvain was worth when he was whole versus how much Ruvain is worth now, quote-unquote, that he's damaged. And the difference between that, so I've already paid, I've already made a payment that reflects Ruvain's personalistic diminution in value. So to now pay him for actual lost wages for the job he can't perform, that would be a shtickle double dipping. So instead, what do we do? We look at Ruvain as if he was a cucumber watchman. Now, we'll say, now what's the beauty of being a cucumber watchman, right? By a cucumber, it doesn't have to be cute. It's, it's not a din in cucumbers, right? Rather, what is it a din in? It's a din in being a field watcher. What's the great part about being a field watchman, right? You don't need a lot of skills and you don't need a lot of mobility. Really, pretty much what you are is like a human scarecrow, right? We just, we just need you to be there. We just need you to be there. So I will say, we look, at, we look at ultimately, again, how much money he would command as a field watchman, and that's the amount that you're obligated to pay him, right? For, for, for whatever amount of time he is unable to work. Again, look at Rashi, he says, so I look at the Gemara, Mishnah, Sheves, Rono, Sekilu, Shomer, Kishon. We look at him as if he's a cucumber watchman. Because we've already paid him the value of his hand or the value of his foot. Take a look, take a look at Rashi. Rashi says, Sheves, it's the last wide line on top. Rashi says, All the days of his illness, we look at him as a cucumber watchman. And we pay him. We pay him. And obviously, one can imagine this is not a high paying job, right? This is probably a very minimal salary, but that's what we pay him for. So, remember again, I've already made Ruvain whole for the lost, for the lost limb. 
right? So remember again, now obviously for lost wages, I look at in reality what he's able to do now. He could be a cucumber watcher and I'm obligated to pay him that wage each and every day. And we'll talk about that more. So the Gemara goes weiter. The Gemara says, Boshes, what about humiliation? Hakolofi hamavayesh v'hamisbayesh. I will say that Boshes is very interesting. How do you assess Boshes? So now the Gemara says, it, the Mishnah says it really depends. Everything depends on the person who did the embarrassing and the person who was embarrassed, right? They will say, because remember again, if a person, let's say, is a person of a very high standing, so obviously again, his boshes, right, his humiliation is going to be more acute. Furthermore, again, I will say, if the person whom he was embarrassed by is a relatively, well, quote unquote, unimportant individual, boshes may look one way. If the person who did the humiliation is a more important person, it may look a different way. If the person who was embarrassed is a generally unknown individual, the Boshas look, so we'll say, so the idea the Gemara says is Boshas is gonna be very relative, and we're going to have to come up with an amount based on the embarrasser and the embarrassee. Okay, incredible. Let's look at the Gemara. Gemara says, am I? The Boshas says, I remember again. How does all of this start? All of this starts with the payment of Nezek. So what's Nezek? I go over to Ruvain, I punch him in the eye. I, as a result, I blind his eye. What's Talacha? I have to pay him the value of his eye. How do we assess the value of his eye? If he sold as a servant, again, how much money would he command on the market? Fully intact versus how much money does he command on the market now that he has one less eye? So the Gemara says, Va'amai, why is that? Ayin tachas, ayin amrachmana, ema ayin mamish. So the Gemara asks a classic question. We'll say the Torah, when speaking about damages, says an eye for an eye, ayin tachazayin. So why not say an eye for an eye what? Literally means an eye for an eye. Ayin tachazayin. And maybe if I chas shalom blind Ruvain's eye, what's that? What's talacha? Based in blinds my eye. How do we know that it means money? To which the most most sanadayt chamina, sanadayt chadisanya, because what we learned, we learned in the Braissa, yachol simias, eno misamias, eno. You might have thought that if you blind one person's eye, based in blinds your eye, Katas yado is yado mekate as yado. If you cut off someone's hand, basin cuts off your hand. Shivres raglo mishavres raglo. If you break someone's leg, someone's foot, basin breaks your foot. Tamulomar makia odem umakia behema. So I'll say the Torah uses the same notion of maka. If a person goes ahead and injures an adam, a person, or a person injures an behema. Ma'ke behema, ma'ke adam. So we'll say we go ahead and use the same lashon to teach us as follows: Ma'ke behema le'tashlumin, just like if you injure an animal, right? Ultimately, again, it's monetary compensation, right? Af ma'ke adam le'tashlumin. So too, if you injure a person, ultimately, again, it's monetary compensation as well, and we do not visit the same harm upon you. But if you want to say, Harehu Omer lo sikhu kofra le'nefesh rotzeach. Asheru Rasha Lamos. I, but the Pasuk says, do not take an atonement payment, right? Or do not take an atonement for the person who has murdered someone. For since he has murdered, ultimately, again, he's put to death. Lenefesh Rotseach Iatalokeach Kofar. Posei for a murderer. A murderer cannot exempt himself from liability through a monetary payment. Aval Atalokeach Kofar the Rashi Varam Shein Chosen. But I will say, but someone who doesn't murder, but someone who just injures someone else, then what? He definitely can make up for it with a compensatory payment. That absolutely works. Okay? So the Gemara says, hey, Maka. So we'll say, so which, which Maka? So we'll say, remember again, the original Drasha was, it says Maka Adam and Maka Behema. So the same way that Maka Behema, injuring an animal, is monetary compensation, so to Maka Adam is also monetary compensation. So which Maka are we talking about? Ilema Maka Behema Yeshalmena um Maka Adam Yumas We'll say, so if we're talking about the positive says, if you injure an animal, you have to pay. But if you injure a person and kill him, you put to death. Ha'hu b'ktalaksi. We'll say, sorry, about a case where I killed someone. I think that's right. Ruvain killed someone. Ela mehach. Rather, what else it means from here? Ma'ke nefesh pehima yishamena nefesh tachas nefesh. So we'll say, so the positive says, Ultimately, again, if you kill an animal, right, you have to pay a nefesh tachas and nefesh, right? One life for another life. Talking about the animal. The summer play, ve'ish ki yitin mum ba'amito. And the Bazak says if a person will injure another individual, kasher asa kein ye asa lo. That which he does is done to him. I says the Gemara, I love makahu. But it doesn't say the word makah in that Bazak. Haka haka kamino. It says the word haka or maka in both contexts. And we say, just like maka by behema means compensatory damages, 
So too, when it says hakah by Adam, that also means compensatory damages. I but the pasuk says, if a person, if a person will go and injure another person, he's put to death. To which the Gemara says, that's when it's put to death is not talking about literal capital punishment, but rather again, it's talking about monetary compensation. I said, how do you know that? We might do a mamon. How do you know that it's mamon? Maybe it literally means death. Because the Pasuk says, And I will say, number one, because as we just saw before, there's a gzir, shava of make make. Just like make by behemoth means compensatory damages, so to make by other means compensatory damages. Furthermore, it says afterwards, the Pasuk says, just like you've visited an injury upon a person, so too the injury will be visited upon you. And both say, that teaches me that when you injure another person, compensatory damages. I says the Gemara, what does it mean if you want to say? Why did the Gemara say that before? The Gemara says, why do you learn out the halachos of injuring a person from the halachos of injuring an animal? Maybe learn it out from a person who kills another person, right? And say, just like if you kill another person, you put to death. So if you injure a person, you're put to death. To which the Gemara says, Amri donin nezikin minezikin, vein donin nezikin mimisa. It's very simple, Bosai. We learn out the halachos of damages from damages. We do not learn out the halachos of damages from death. So therefore, Bosai, we'd rather compare a case where one person damages another person to a case of where an animal damages, rather than learning out from a case of where one person goes ahead and kills another person. Adrabai, because he's just the opposite. Doesn't it make more sense to learn out halacha of a person from a person? So learn out halachos of Reuven injures Shimon from the halachos of Reuven who kills Shimon, rather than learning out the halachos of Reuven injuring Shimon from a case of animal damage, to which the Gemara says... That's why I said before, if you want to say, What do we learn from that second pasuk? You cannot take compensatory damages to go and exempt the person who kills another person. But you can take compensatory damages for a case of damage visited one upon the other. So both say, so where the Gemara is holding right now in this discussion is that there's essentially two sources, two sources to tell us that when you injure another person, you're not put to death, but rather it's compensatory damages. Either Gezer Shavav Make Make, says Make Adam Make Behema, just like Make Behema is compensatory damages, so too Make Adam is compensatory damages. That's number one. And then number two, ultimately again, Lo Sikhu Kofar, do not take monetary payment to atone for the person who murders. What do you see from here? When you take a life, so monetary payments cannot satisfy your obligation, but when you injure, monetary payment absolutely can. I the Gemara Sevahai lo sikhu kofar lenefesh rozeach lame uti rasheva and hudaasa. So we'll say actually we'll say no. We'll stop over here. I know it's a little bit in the middle of the drasha, but we'll pick up Emirat Hashem with a little bit more of that drasha in just a bit, or just in the I say tomorrow. We'll say tremendous. Mazel of finishing the parak. Mazel of beginning the new parak. Tremendous shkoyach.